Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett at CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. The men were judged by a second, more diverse jury than in the first trial. We've got that story plus Trudeau's nitrogen agents. But first, finance groups risk being kicked out of the Mark Carney-led climate coalition. James, I only noticed earlier that the word coal is inside coalition for some extra lulls. From the Financial Paywall Times, financial institutions that signed up to Mark Carney's industry alliance to tackle climate change could be kicked out for failing to hit targets by a new independent panel under plans set to be made public this year. Beefed up, beefed up checks by the UN on whether finance groups meet new criteria on ending coal financing and phasing out fossil fuels from portfolios could be announced at New York Climate Week in September and launched at the COP27 climate talks to be held in Egypt in November. This all according to Race to Zero, the United Nations group behind the plans. More than 450 finance companies accounting for $130 trillion of assets have joined the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero. GFAN's aim is to galvanize the world's most powerful finance companies to commit to achieving a net zero global economy by, hey, 2050. At least it's not 2030, I guess. Members are required to meet standards set by the Race to Zero, a UN-led campaign. Under the plans, the body would have the authority to expel financial institutions from GFANS at the start of 2023. Race to Zero is setting up an inspector general office to police the alliances and other individual commitments, said one person closely involved in GFANS. They also went on to say, Carney is all carrot and Race to Zero is creating a stick. Mark Carney to chair new $750 billion real assets giant. Now, James, kind of flying in the face of this is something I covered briefly on Morning Monarchy. ESG funds, that's environmental, social, and corporate governance funds, are quietly buying oil and gas stocks to chase that big boost that's, I guess, been going since the Russia-Ukraine war. James? Yes. Well, good call on the magical 2030 number, because further down in the article, it does say that it is going to require these companies to stop financing new coal projects and meet their interim 2030 net zero emissions targets by June of 2023. So there you go. We're we're rushing the 2030 agenda now, but it is still obviously embedded in here. Um, So I am certainly, I hope people know by now, I am no Elon Musk fan, but... I think he called it out correctly, even if not necessarily for the right reasons back in May, uh, where he tweeted, Exxon is rated top 10 best in world for ESG by S&P 500, while Tesla didn't make the list. ESG is a scam. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. Well, yeah, I think Elon has his own reasons for promoting his own brain chippery and other such nonsense. But I think that is an accurate assessment. Yes, this isn't about saving the earth. This is about creating the club and then wielding that club against anyone who uh, will not be part of your team. With $130 trillion of investable assets in, in your quiver, that's, a, that's an awful lot of uh, arrows you can be aiming into the heart of any would-be financial rivals, right? So this is a very appropriately named campaign, isn't it? Race to zero, as in race to you will own nothing and be happy by 2030 or maybe 2023 if they get their way. Um, but the worst and the sort of the most disturbing part of this, yeah, it comes in the, uh, in sort of the details of what 
the the framework that they're creating for this because it's one thing to have some sort of feel good campaign that's just airy fairy blather about oh we're you know we're helping the environment but what kind of teeth are they putting into this so this article notes that race to zero is setting up an inspector general office to police the alliances and other individual commitments it also notes that the UK's environmental audit committee which yes, apparently is a thing, will hold a series of hearings this autumn as it investigates the effectiveness of the GFANS initiative and how important the UK's finance sector is in achieving Paris climate goals. Got to get those banks and financiers on board with this because they're going to be the ones that are directing and handling this $130 trillion. And uh, they finish with a quote from Nigel Topping, uh, it's insane for the world to rely on underfunded NGOs to police capital markets, he said. Governments need to step up. And uh, who is Nigel Topping again? That name rings a bell. I think uh, I talked about it when I was talking about the climate, uh, monetary climate situation with uh, Whitney Webb last year. Oh, that's right. He is literally not just a World Economic Forum agenda contributor, who isn't these days, right? But he's also the UN high-level climate action champion. I'm not making that up. That's literally his title, high-level climate action champion, who is also not just heading the uh, race to zero, but also the GFANS alliance. Um, this is the kind of characters that they are putting to front this agenda, which, you know, again, it's true. It's, uh, it's a scam that's been weaponized by phony social justice warriors in the name of saving the earth. It has nothing to do with saving the earth. It has everything to do with monopolizing the resources of the earth and telling people what they can and cannot be doing. Elon Musk really is one of the best broken clocks around. We can pretty much count on him every other week to say something that, again, alternative media would go, heck yeah, he's right on. And then, of course, all the weird brain chip stuff. Our second story on this New World Next Week, episode 494, heads us up to Snow Mexico, as I've been calling it lately. Saskatchewan warns Trudeau's federal nitrogen agents could be arrested. Saskatchewan Minister Jeremy Cockrell has sent a warning to the Trudeau government that officers sent by Ottawa will be arrested if they continue to trespass on farmland to test nitrogen levels. According to Cockrell, Trudeau's government has been unlawfully sending federal employees onto Saskatchewan farmlands to test for nitrogen levels without the consent of landowners. In the letter, the minister raised multiple complaints from Saskatchewan farmers that raised serious concerns about Government of Canada employees in clearly marked Government of Canada vehicles trespassing on private lands. The farmers reporting these trespasses made clear that these government agents did not request permission to access the land and were not in any other manner given consent to access it. Minister Cockrell further pointed out to the Trudeau government that these actions constitute a breach of the Saskatchewan Trespass to Property Act and warned that these actions could carry with them serious penalties including fines of up to 200 grand and six months in a cage. By sending this letter, the Saskatchewan government has provided a clear order to the Trudeau government to cease and desist with any unlawful trespasses and warn them that should it continue, their employees could face arrest and prosecution. James, there's really – there's no left, there's no right. If we've seen anything these last six to eight months, let alone two to six years, it's the state versus you. 
Amen to that, James. I've been saying this a lot in the past few years specifically. Yes, it is a war against you, and it is being waged by your governments. So I guess that raises the question then. So how? why is the Saskatchewan government see, seemingly sticking up for the Saskatchewan people? Um, I think, you know, when the Titans fight each other, sometimes... Uh, you're kind of rooting for one of them to hit the other one. And in this case, yeah, at least, okay, the Saskatchewan government is hitting back against Trudeau and the feds. That's a good thing. But at the at the base level, at sort of the ideological level of what's happening here, I think it's ultimately still about, well, we controlled our tax slaves on this plantation, not you guys in Ottawa, right? So if you go in and read the actual letter itself, uh, you'll notice in the fine print where they're talking about... Um, uh, the serious, second serious issue is how federal government employees under current Saskatchewan law are trespassing on private lands and performing water testing on privately owned dugouts. In Saskatchewan, Section 3 of the Trespass to Property Act states that without the consent of the occupier of a premises, no person who is not acting under a right or authority conferred by law shall enter in on the premises when entry, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's the rub, isn't it? Well, okay, well, then we're going to pass one of these magical laws, and that'll let us come into your land whenever we want, right? So there is some politicking going on here. But at any rate, as I say, at least it is a pushback against the federal government and drawing attention to the issue in general. Because why why is this happening? Why are federal agents trespassing and sneaking onto people's lands in order to test their dugout water? Like, what? Oh, it's to test for nitrogen levels. Why are they testing nitrogen? In case you have missed that story uh, this summer, as it's been developing, I will refer people back to my We're All Dutch Farmers article now and my follow-up We're All Sri Lankan Farmers now, where this is not just a an issue in Canada. This is happening all over the world. The Dutch farmer protest, probably the most um, famous example of, or infamous example of it at this point. But yes, this is a big part of that 2030 agenda push is nitrogen and demonizing nitrogen and all of the fertilizer runoff and everything is the new demon. But really, again, it is a scam being weaponized by phony social justice warriors in order to control the act, the independent production of food. That is what this is about. Shutting down small farmers, replacing them with the bill, farmer Bill Gates and the, the big, big ag and the bio labs and all of that nonsense. This is about the shift over of human food production and consumption on the face of the planet generally. And so this is one tiny little window into that story. Like, why are federal agents doing this? Oh, oh, it's because they're getting set up for the infrastructure to do exactly what they're trying to do in the Netherlands right now. So that's kind of the bigger story here. I hope that this can draw attention to that bigger story for anyone who has missed it. And if you have, as I say, I'll put those uh, links to those articles in the show notes so you can get caught up to speed on it. You know, I love word salads, uh, you know, nitrogen agents. Anytime there's these new odd phrases, I, I, I find them fascinating. I got approved by the state to homeschool. You kind of you kind of remind me of that, of, of this battle that we've heard people say again. God love them. They're doing the right thing. But again, I got permission from the state to act like I'm not going to be with the state for a little bit. In Unrelated news, and actually heard this from a Media Monarchy member, that Saskatchewan actually has the lowest vaccination rates going in Canada. Why is Saskatchewan's vaccination rate so low, is the question the Star Phoenix asked actually last fall. But I like to see that these these similar stories do happen in the same places, and you can feel that there's maybe a different vibe in 
a place like Saskatchewan. So if that was uh, unrelated news, in related news, this kind of reminds me of something brewing down here, James. One of the biggest massive stories, again, kind of in the lamestream alt-media Coke versus Pepsi world. IRS orders massive security review amid threats over hiring spree. The Internal Revenue Service is undertaking its biggest security review in more than 25 years, blaming an alarming rise in threats and misinformation over its approved massive hiring spree. And that's got the social media companies running the fact checks. Facebook censors claim IRS posted job requiring deadly force. It does. They did. It's posted there. It can be lost again in the sort of phony political two-party illusion fight. While they say, of course, we're going to do this and we're under attack, we know that they are the attackers. And so many times, this all goes after the middle classes, whether you're in America or Saskatchewan or Sri Lanka or the Netherlands, it doesn't matter. James, as we move to our, our final story, I don't know, there is, I'm always maybe looking for a through line to, to our stories that kind of connect them all together. I guess I, I can't get how people can't see that the tricks used against their sort of supposed political enemies are going to be used on you again later. Case in point, our third and final story, two guilty on all charges in rigged Whitmer kidnapping plot retrial. Yeah, double jeopardy. Two poor saps allegedly entrapped by the FBI in the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020 were convicted on all charges on Tuesday in a rigged trial and are facing essentially life in a cage. I believe the sentencing is supposed to be in December. The verdict is a much-needed win for the regime in a case the Justice Department kind of considered one of the most important domestic terror busts in decades. The backstory in April. A jury acquitted two men on all charges after their attorney successfully argued the men had been framed by the FBI. Two other defendants pleaded guilty and testified for the government at both trials. Meanwhile, the Detroit Free Press reported, quote, the, two, the men were judged by a second, more diverse jury than the first trial, end quote. I've got links to actually one of the guys... That was acquitted. Talking to the media, Brandon Caserta found not guilty of conspiracy to kidnap in first trial after spending a year and a half behind bars. I think it's ridiculous that the government's still going to try and continue to push this narrative that these people are actually terrorists and that actually wanted to do violence, Brandon Caserta told Fox 17. The the descriptions of what really went on at this trial actually are, are pretty stunning. Judge put his full weight on the scale in favor of the government, and it worked. In both trials, withheld from jury hundreds of incriminating texts between FBI handlers and informants, refused to compel appearance by low-life informant who aided in the hoax, limited cross-examination by defense of two cooperating witnesses allegedly part of the conspiracy, repeatedly scolded the defense in front of the jury, accused the defense of wasting time over crap questioning gave unwieldy jury instructions that greenlighted whatever argument the DOJ made, kept a juror that the defense objected to after receiving info that the juror was predisposed to a guilty verdict. The judge also refused to dismiss, spoke with that juror without defense or government attorneys present and ordered, like he's Bush and Cheney or something, all those filings under seal. Judge Jonker, J-O-N-K-E-R, hey, what do you know? A George W. Bush appointee handled this trial far differently than the first. 
You're telling me a jury didn't convict on a single count in first trial with two more defendants, but returned all guilty in less than half the time with two fewer defendants? Maybe Judge Junker got the message. Also, there are unconfirmed reports that the juror accused of misconduct was the foreman of the jury. James, this is kind of like the militia 90s all over again. So how long until they pull a biggie like a OKC again? That is the question. And that's always the trick up the sleeve uh, that we have to wonder and worry about, isn't it? Um, At any rate, be aware of. And I think that's the important point of this. Uh, Mia Copa, I'll I'll admit up front, I, I haven't been following this trial, so I don't know of the details of this case. But I do know the details of FBI entrapment, and I've talked about it before. For example, I'll just throw in an example for people who are interested. Uh, Corbett Report Radio number 197 from August of 2012, so a decade ago. American terror created by the FBI. Just going through some of the Liberty City 7, Fort Dick 6, Christmas Tree Bomber, other assorted FBI agents entrapping and enticing people into doing something and then springing and busting the plot. Wow, FBI are such heroes here. It's the same story over and over and over and over and over again. And again, I'm not following the case, but this sounds like something similar. At any rate, yes, uh, if for people who don't know about the OKC and all of the, you know, all of the Patriot stuff that was going on in the 90s and how that w- was part of the stew that led to the OKC incident and then the reaction to that incident, which included the drafting of the Patriot Act, and mm-hmm. they, they passed the crime omnibus bill, the Patriot Act kind of went on the back burner until they found the opportunity to bring that and unleash that on the public in 2001. So th- it's all one big historical thread and it connects right in with stories like this. Absolutely. Well, that is uh, New World Next Week, episode 494. In closing, I'll just note, don't send anything to the P.O. Box. We are moving, as you can tell, even less boxes than before. The Media Monarchy Kingdom uh, will not be able to do a New World Next Week next week for the very least, going to be off for a little bit while we tear down and have to, of course, set back up. James, I guess this this will be the final New World next week in this apartment space before we move to finally get in our own house. Let's have a moment of silence for all the wonderful times <laughs> we've had in this room. Um, <laughs> this is where I would tell Brock to insert like a, a montage of you in the room <laughs> with uh, the time of my life from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack playing or something. But Brock is hard at work on the next documentary, and so am I. So we don't have time for that chicanery. Just imagine it in your head. There you go. <laughs> I, I, you saw if I just looked over to see, oh... Could I go grab the uh, more dirty dancing music on cassette tape I got recently? No, I've already packed it up. It was a birthday present. I'm not judging. (laughs) Yes, you are. That was my favorite song in fourth grade, I'll have you know. It's pretty fantastic. So before we go down the hole of uh, pop music genius from 1987, we should probably wrap up New World Next Week, episode 494. James, I appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate you too, and uh, looking forward to next time we talk in your new abode. Until then. All right, man. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care.